By now, you've heard me talk about Baby Loves Tacos over 100 times, and that's because I've been doing so since this show started back in January 2019. Zach, Cat, Kaz, The Sandman, John Sandy, and the rest of the crew at Baby Loves Family are the real deal when it comes to good food. If you live anywhere near the Pittsburgh, PA area, visit their incredible shop at 4508 Liberty Avenue and check them out on Instagram at Baby Loves Tacos. Baby Loves Tacos, where everybody eats. Couldn't find a cure 
Welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. I love when someone knows they want to be a rock star when they're young and they'll do whatever they have to do to follow their dream. Today, we have one of those. Britt Lightning, guitarist of Vixen, joins us on the show. In fact, the track you just heard to start us off today is the brand new single from the revamped version of Vixen. The song's called Red, and it's a rocker, as you just heard. All right, check this out, and we'll be right back with Britt Lightning and more. Being the big vinyl lover that I am, I'm proud to tell you about Joe's albums in their two locations. The original shop at 317 Main Street in downtown Worcester, Massachusetts, and their second location out in Western Mass at 5 Market Street, Northampton. Both of these shops are loaded with both new and used vinyl. It's hard to walk in either shop and walk out empty-handed due to their amazing collection of records and other cool goodies like t-shirts, mugs, posters, etc. If you can't find what you're looking for in the retail stores, check out their website, joesalbums.com. Thank you, Joe, for being so cool. I was recently a guest on the Chord Progression podcast, and I told the host, Kevin, the story I'm going to tell you right now. You have to do something with your life that'll make you happy. If you don't, you could be headed for a miserable existence. I realized my dream after my last semester in college. I know I, I, knew, I knew I needed to work in the music business, and I was going to do whatever it took to get there. So when I was flat, going backwards for a second, when I was in high school, especially during my senior year, when I was taking at least two major rock concerts every month, I, I realized I had to go to L.A., 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 L.A. That's what we used to talk about all the time. That would make my life complete. Of course, these things are easier said than done. Fast forward four years later, one day after a phone call with my friend Jimmy, who was in Hermosa Beach, I decided it was time to go for it. It was time to take that big risk. I didn't have much money, but what I had, I used to buy a plane ticket. I bought a one-way ticket to Los Angeles to pursue my rock and roll dream. I had never been on a plane before, and I knew after I bought the ticket, I wouldn't have a lot of money left. But I had about $200 to my name, so it was a big risk. But at 22 years old, I didn't care. It was something I had to do. I had a rock and roll dream that wouldn't be satisfied playing a hockey stick in front of a mirror. I didn't know what to expect, but as my plane flew over Southern California, I could not believe what I was seeing below me. House after house, building after building, the place was absolutely huge and when I got there I told my friends who had offered me a couch to sleep on that I had a goal to make it in the music business and I would do whatever it took to achieve this goal I was kind of lucky in a way because it only took me four days to get a gig and it was only a few miles away from the from where we were where I was living it was at Green World Distribution which was of course part of the Enigma Records label. Uh, and that was on top of my list of places to work. So that's where the lucky part comes in. I, I got a job basically where I wanted to work. Ever since then, 
I've been telling uh, people, mostly bands, but you know, wherever else, that you can never give up. You need to do whatever it takes. Get in a van, a station wagon, whatever. Play every stinking bar. Move to a different city if you have to. And to this day, the ones that go for it are usually the ones that become the full-time musicians, the ones that become the rock stars. And that doesn't necessarily mean being rich. I know, I know. I know, you know, everyone wants to make a lot of money, but sometimes happiness is important, you know? It's the hardest workers, the best bands, the best promo people, the best managers. They may not be rich, but they're going to do, but they're doing what they have to do to keep happy. Doing this podcast keeps me in the game, a game I've been in since 1984, and it's a game I want to stay in for a while. Attention guitar players, I know you're out there. I have some exciting news for you. You ready? Put down that six string and listen. Stomp Underfoot are handmade guitar pedals by fuzz-obsessed Matt Pascarella. Matt makes every pedal using quality new old stock, absolute and rare through whole components. I know you know what that means if you're a, you're a guitar player, right? Every pedal is also entirely hand-wired, tested, and ready to go. If you want high-quality handmade pedals, check out Stomp Underfoot at stomponderfoot.com. So I told you that story a few minutes ago for a reason, because our guest today, Britt Lightning, has persevered since she started playing in a band as a teenager. Britt played in a Boston band called Jaded, and when that project fell apart, she became a hired gun and played with a variety of other artists like Alejandro Sanz, Jason Derulo, Rachel Platten, and then one day she realized it was time to move, and she went to Los Angeles. And it took a few years, but in 2017, she found herself in Vixen with three-fourths of the band's original members. Her slot as guitar player was filling the role of Jan Kuhneman, who had passed away. For Brit, this was a dream she strived for. She wanted to be in a band with all women, and she had been a Vixen fan for years. And now with a fresh lineup, the band has a new single and video and are playing huge shows all over the world, including upcoming festival in Mexico City and a Monsters of Rock cruise. Brit's story is one of perseverance, and although there is a big difference in age, one similar to another recent guest on this show, that being Dave Amato, lead guitarist of Ario Speedwagon, who, are, who ironically grew up one town away from Brit in the suburbs of Boston. They both started in the same scene, they both were hired guns for a little while, and they both settled into gigs with famous bands that started out years before them. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's these great rock and roll stories that make it all worthwhile. Are you ready for another one? Here I am talking with Vixen guitarist Britt Lightning. So I wasn't really going to start with this, but I figure I, I we need to know who gave you the nickname Brit Lightning. 
Okay. Well, that was me. That was a self-given nickname. Um, basically when I started, um, Evangated, I wanted to have like an alter ego. I just didn't want to be known as Brittany De Niro. And I had some stage fright too. So it helped me to become a, a different persona. And at the same time, I had been struck by lightning before through the TV. So that's a true story. Wow. Uh, but I also thought it would be cool if everybody in the band kind of had names after the elements. So I, and I like lightning because that epitomized everything that I love about guitar playing and wanted to be bright flashy fast electric um and striking um and uh yeah and then i i, I came up with the name hillary blaze my drummer was blaze for fire and so we all had names but mine uh, mine really stuck actually hillary still uses hers she's a boston gal she uh and she plays in the judas priestesses now oh wow i didn't yeah, realize the nick priest tribute yeah yeah i didn't realize your nickname went that far back yeah <laughs> well not that far back but 2005 yeah, or pretty something. far back yeah <laughs> since i was about 17 so yeah so i know you grew up in massachusetts and i saw in an interview or heard in an interview that you said you were 20 minutes from boston in the woods and I was, it piqued my interest whereabouts did you grow up in that because i'm from mass too Okay, well, I grew up in Natick. Oh, um, Natick. Okay. Yes, uh, but my parents moved from there since. But that's yeah, that's where I grew up. Natick. Yeah, so yeah. it's pretty close. I went to Framingham State. Right. Okay. Down the road yeah, we're rivals. Yeah. <laughs> well, you went to Northeastern, though, right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, was your household like a musical household when you were growing up? No, not at all. Um, honestly, my dad have like one Hank Williams record. My mom liked the Beach Boys and stuff, but nobody ever like sat down and introduced me to like, hey, this is the Beatles. Uh, this is something you got to know. Or, you know, this is, you know, I was never really introduced to, to music at all like that. Um, and I got into music just because, uh, well, I enjoyed listening to it as a, as a kid growing up. Um, and I played the flute in school band, um, you know, starting in about fourth grade. And uh and then I just, I never, I didn't really find a good groove for myself, um, you know, growing up with grunge music at the time, like that didn't inspire me to play guitar. And it wasn't until on a whim that I heard uh, Eruption by Eddie Van Halen in a store. I was running errands with my mom and I didn't even know what it was. And it blew my mind. And 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 that led me down the path of guitar and 80s rock and, and Van Halen. And, and then Van Halen was like the gateway band to yeah. all the other 80s rock. And then I was like, oh, this is this is the stuff. This is cool. This is what I love. Um, and then I started playing guitar just just from hearing uh, Eruption. How old were you when you started playing? I was about 15. 15. Yeah, somewhere before uh, somewhere before high school. I, I remember hearing in an interview that you there were boys playing instruments in your high school and they wouldn't let you in the room. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically I went to a Catholic, private Catholic school and we didn't have any extracurricular programs like music or arts at the time. Um, and so uh, there was an after school club called Guitar Club that I had stumbled upon. I didn't really know about. And when I popped my head and it was all boys playing in there and they were like, uh, do you play guitar? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not great yet, but I want to and I'm going to. And they were like, well, if you don't play guitar, you've got to go. And uh, yeah. And so um, but uh, that gave me good motivation to uh, be great and uh, be better than them. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where they are now. <laughs> yeah. So they would always play. I would always hear Metallica. So I was like, I'm going to study Metallica nonstop. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to play that solo better than anybody in here. 
Now, I, I know about Jaded. Now, was Jaded your first band or were you in another band before Jaded? I played in another somewhat local band. Um, I was in, um, remember Daddy's Junkie Music Stores? Of course. And so I was shopping for a head and a half stack because I had thought that I had outgrown the practice amp to, you know, for my bedroom. Not like who needs a half stack for their bedroom, but I was like, <laughs> I definitely need a half stack at this point in my life. So I was just going to trying out heads and the store manager, um, actually I was just sitting there playing a bunch of Metallica. The store manager came over and he said, Hey, like you sound great. I have a band. It's original, but we sound like Metallica and we just lost our guitar player, but, but we need somebody that plays like exactly what you're playing. Um, do you want to join the band? We have a two week tour coming up. And I was like tour, you know, I'm in high school and I'm thinking like, yeah, all I can think about is going on tour. So, um, I, I got back home. I told my mom that I joined this band and I was going on tour for two weeks. And she was like, like you're a kid. No, you're not. And you're in school. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to get all my work. I'm going to still do it. Don't worry. And, uh, and they were all older guys, you know, uh, in their twenties and stuff. And, um, so everybody had to come over to the house, meet my parents, explain exactly what this tour was, what, what goes on on tour. Like my parents were clueless and, um, but they actually let me go and it was wow. the best experience. Um, we went as far as Baltimore. Um, and I just remember being, on my own, like going for a walk after a gig. And, you know, it's great to hear strangers tell you that you're great. You, you know, your friends growing up and your parents tell you, yeah, that sounds good. Like, yeah, you seem like a guitar player, but you don't really know if you are when you get out into the world, <laughs> out of your circle of friends. And um, so that was good validation for me. I was like, wow, people, other people that don't know me think that was great and said I'm a good player. And um, and I had this other, you know, overwhelming sense of freedom being on the road away from parents about anybody telling me what to do and, you know, had a couple beers and, you know, drinking underage. And, and you I, were, you were, si how, were, you, were you only 16 when you did that? I was, yeah, I was 17 at this point. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. And I just knew at, at that moment, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I remember walking down the streets of Baltimore um, on my own and thinking like, yeah, freedom and travel and playing music and meeting new people. Like this is, this is the life I want to live. Did those guys try to keep you in their band? Yeah, what happened? I was in the band for maybe, gosh, I don't know how long. I, yeah, I was in the band for a while. We did local shows and stuff like that. And it was and all then, Metallica covers? No, no, it was original, but the band, they kind of compared themselves a little bit to Metallica. It, it was like, it was hard rock. It was just kind of Godsmack meets Metallica style um and uh yeah but then eventually i just wanted to do my own band and i, I always like playing with women and i want to start an all-girl band um and then and then we went to jaded from there yeah was was there someone like i don't know lita ford or someone that influenced you like runaways or something that you saw you heard about them and you're like i want to do that yeah, well, at the time Vixen it really actually... wasn't the run yeah at the time it was it was lita i thought she was so yeah. cool and then honestly Vixen, I thought was awesome. And yeah. those were like, because I really listened to like 80s hair bands at the time, because I just thought the guitar playing in those songs were so fun. And, you know, those solos were just so all over the place and exciting. Um, and yeah, at that time, I wasn't as familiar with the Runaways. I was more like 70s. And so I, I just knew, I knew Joan Jett, but she didn't really solo. So I wasn't super influenced by her at the time. And I thought she was a little more punk rock and I liked more of the metal, but I thought Lita and Vixen were amazing. So full circle here.
Yeah, you're a kind of an anonym, anomaly. I love using that word in a way that you were like into playing lead and you, 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 and then there weren't a lot of bands like that around. I mean, New, Boston has some famous metal bands, but not a lot. It's not a really big, huge metal place. You know, it's more like indie rock, college radio. Was it, was it hard for you to, to kind of get it going with Jaded when you saw what was going around? You know, at the time, there was a cool rock scene. I have to say, I thought there was a really cool rock scene. Maybe that was around like 2005-ish. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking earlier than that. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I thought the scene was cool. We had friends and, and I dug it. Um, when uh, when we kind of fizzled out or just, just, just called it quits for the time being, um, I had felt like the indie stuff was just so big and I didn't like any of it. Not, the scene had changed and I was kind of like, eh, yeah. Yeah, you're a metalhead. Um, yeah. So I also, I, I heard that you went to Europe with Wasp. It's funny, I, I heard that. And it, it just reminded me that I met Chris Holmes once at the Rainbow in LA. Oh, you, yeah. know, you know who Phil Mogg is, right? From UFO? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I had to babysit him for a couple of days when, when I worked for Metal Blade. And he wanted to go meet some friends at the Rainbow, but he didn't tell me who. And we get there. And and of course, Lemmy's there and John Entwistle is there. So I got wow. to meet both of them. And I'd seen Lemmy before, but I never was with someone that he knew. And then he goes, oh, they're my friends. And it was Lita Ford and Chris Holmes. Yeah. And I, I got to hang out with them. And Lita was so cool. But Chris Holmes was one crazy dude i'll tell you yeah. was he with wasp when you uh when you went to europe no he was not he was not so but i yeah i've heard stories about that but we do a lot of shows with lita um now and yeah she is so cool she's one of my favorite people i just think she's she's just the real deal yeah absolutely like, i no, love her yeah yeah she's just the real deal uh jaded broke up because you guys couldn't keep a lead singer I mean, that's yeah, for the most part, we went through so many lead singers. Um, I don't know. It was a lot of jealous boyfriends or this or that or or, you know, just not reliable for various reasons. And and it just got it's hard replacing the voice. You know, it's easy to replace easier to maybe replace a bass player or a drummer or something like that. Um, but it's like when somebody is like liking the voice and the, they're fronting the band and their personality up there, it's hard to, to keep replacing. And um and so, yeah, I kind of was just like, I needed a break. I wasn't sure if I was going to take a break long-term or not. But at that time I was like, I just need a break from doing all this. And I was booking the band and kind of managing everything. And, and it just, I just kind of got overwhelmed with it. You did a good job because everyone knew about the band that you guys had videos and everything. So it was a good start for you. I'm really curious to hear about this audition. Is it true the first time you auditioned, you auditioned for Lady Gaga? Yeah, so I was living in uh, Alston Brighton area at the time, and my neighbor was a uh, guitar tech for, uh, and still works for Alice Cooper, and uh, and he said, you know, you know, you if you're just all burnt out on this band, you should just be a gun for hire. And I was like, what's a gun for hire? I didn't even really know what that meant. And he was like, yeah, you just you play for an artist. You're not really in the band, but you're hired like an employee and you just go, you just show up and plug in your guitar and play. And so you'll get the joy of playing back because you don't have to worry about everything else. Um, you know, you just show up and go to get to the gig and, and play. 
And uh, he said, you know, Lady Gaga has an open call. Uh, she's replacing her whole band, looking for drummers, bass players, guitar players, backup dancers, everything next weekend in New York City. You should go. And at first I was like, I don't know about this because I grew up reading like the dirt and, you know, all in the Aerosmith books and all these, you know, Van Halen books and uh, autobiographies about bands that were like gangs. They grew up together. They lived in the Motley Crue house. Um, you know, it was like you it was like you lived, eat and breathed each other. And, you know, and that, and that was it. That was your life. And I wanted that. I wanted that lifestyle and, and that connection with my bandmates. So at first it wasn't appealing, but I was like, you know what, whatever, I need a change. Let's just see what happens. So yeah, now I took the train from Boston down to uh, New York city and, um, and went to the audition and I got the call back and I got the next call back and I ended up uh, rehearsing there for quite a few days. And, um, and then finally, you know, she wasn't there at the first call, uh, but then eventually she was there. We rehearsed on a sound stage with the, uh, and it came down to me and this one other guy, but at the end of the day, she chose uh, the other guy. Um, but you know, everything happens for a reason. I know that now. Uh, yeah. didn't at the time at the time I was like, well, I guess I should probably hang up the guitar and uh, do something else with my life because obviously uh, I'm not meant to do this if I uh, do you know didn't get my very first audition. No, that's ridiculous. Um, but uh, but I was I was discouraged and I was like, damn because you know that would have been a great opportunity It was her big monster ball tour stadiums and stuff like that. Um, but as luck would have it, I um, you know I played in front of so many people because there were so many people auditioning that day for all the uh, instruments and positions that uh, a lot of people saw my playing. And so I got to know a lot of people. And a few months after that, somebody called me that had seen me at that um, that audition and they were an MD for a, a, a Latin band. Um, and, uh, and, and I got that gig from that. And that was another stadium tour. So even though this stadium tour didn't work out, it worked out in another way. And I, I do think it was for the best. That was one of the best times of my life. It was incredible playing with, with all these amazing musicians, half the band didn't speak English. So I learned Spanish. I learned so much about different cultures flew all over and it was, it was wonderful. Alejandro Sanz. It opened right? my mind to new music because it, it was, you know, very uh, Spanish inspired. A lot of like flamenco undertones and things like that. Alejandro Sanz. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that must have been amazing tour doing stadium tours in South America. What a place! I've it never was. been there, but I see the. Whenever you see concert footage from there, it's incredible. Yeah, it was beautiful. So eventually when that was done, you you just gave up with trying to do it here and you like, I'm going to L.A. and you moved to L.A. And was that around 2015? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I know that you were in a Guns N' Roses tribute band out there for a while and you yeah. had some other you you played with some other people. But the thing that was interesting to me was that you worked at Universal Records. Um, now, I didn't mention this, but you, I know you went to Northeastern. Did you take were you in law? Because I, I I heard you say you worked on contracts in an interview. Yeah, I did take um you know, some copyright law classes and things like that in the in the music business program, you could select, you know, certain classes. And I, I did always choose the legal classes because I always found that to be interesting. So I didn't I don't have a law degree, but I, I did uh, learn a lot about how to read and write contracts. <laughs> you know, I've worked in the music business my whole life. And, you know, it, it's kind of like if you want to be in a band, it's like you, something you got to do. But I can't imagine. I've no, known other musicians that have worked in office situations, but it probably wasn't the best situation for you. 
No. So what happened was, you know, I got to LA and I didn't have a gig and I was, yeah, d- doing little gigs here and there, but I didn't have a big gig that I was kind of had gotten used to there. And I was like, wow, and LA is so expensive. What am I going to do? And I was like, well, maybe it's time to just grow up and like get a real job and use my degree. And, uh, you know, Boston didn't have as many opportunities to work in the music industry. A lot of labels were out in LA. So I was like, I thought I always thought it'd be cool to work at a label. Maybe I'll I'll get into that. Um, yes, and I found myself doing uh, as a legal assistant in the corporate offices in Santa Monica. But at the time, I was living in Hollywood. You know, I wanted to live right in and all the craziness. And so the commute, okay, the LA traffic is real. Oh, I know. You know? And that commute was over two hours sometimes uh, in rush hour both ways. And so by the time I get home, and you, and you got to be there like nine to six. So I leave my house at like six a.m. I get home at like. I don't know, 8 p.m. after traffic. My whole day is gone. The last thing I want to do now is to start practicing guitar or go out and network. Like I was just exhausted from sitting at a desk all day, not from from doing too much work, but just like, you know, it's it's a different lifestyle. It's hard oh, to yeah. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not used to sitting at a desk and I have no problem getting work done. I love to work. I love to focus. I like to do computer work, but I don't like being stuck on a routine schedule. Like, you know, like now I do a lot of work. I, I also work for the rock and roll fantasy camp and I do a, a lot of computer work, but I can do it. You know, I'll do part of the work outside. I'll do part of the work. I, you know, I move my location. I move around. And I feel like I can go take a quick walk if I need to. But I, that feeling of being chained to a desk was just like killing my soul. And uh, even though I thought the work was very interesting, worked on some cool Taylor Swift contracts and big contracts. It was, it, so I learned a lot there, but uh, it wasn't for me. And um, it was actually my mom, who's always been a great influence um, and always a great voice of reason. She knows me so well. Uh, I was calling her on the way home, complaining, complaining, like, ah, this sucks, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, you know what? Do me a favor. Do not pick up the phone and call me again. I don't want to hear from you <laughs> until it's tell me that you've given your notice and you're quitting because this is not you. And I'm sick of hearing it. And I'm the one that has to hear it. And I'm sick of it. <laughs> Yeah, she probably knows just like the rest of us that you're a rock star and there's no way you should be in an office. (laughs) She probably knew that. I I did give it the old college try, though. I really did. I tried to be normal, but no, (laughs) not for me. You know, I was out there for a long time and I I actually worked at A&M, which was Sunset and La Brea, but I never lived in Hollywood. (laughs) You're pretty brave to, to live in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, I saw some interesting things there for sure. I've since moved out of the immediate Hollywood area, but you know, it was fun because you always wonder like, what's it like to just be in Hollywood? And I always wanted to know that. So I decided I better just go right in it and get my fix. <laughs> Which so I did. How, how did you get on uh, Vixen's radar? Uh, you know, I was playing in that uh, uh, Guns N' Roses tribute band and uh, playing at the jams and stuff like that. And then uh, their manager had seen me. And um, knew that they were looking for a guitar player. So uh, then uh, they invited me. He was like, I think this is your girl. And I think a lot of other people had recommended me at the same time, too. So they had heard my name enough. And uh, so they were like, oh, let's let's bring her down and have her audition. Now, I know you were young when they were popular in the late 80s, early 90s. uh, Originally, did you actually like them when you saw them at first and think, wow, I want to be in a band like that? Oh, yeah. Big time. Because. you know, well, I always wanted to, like I said, I thought the Motley Crews and stuff were cool, but I wanted it to be a girl gang. I thought that there weren't enough 
you know, women in rock. And I thought Lita was so cool. And I had already thought Vixen was so cool. And I actually grew up watching Gem and the Holograms before I played guitar. And I thought that was amazing. And when I discovered Vixen, I was like, oh my God, Gem and the Holograms are real. Like, I was just like, wow, that's exactly like them. That's the coolest thing ever. And, um, and then since Jaded, I had missed playing with in, in female bands, um, even though the Guns N' Roses tribute I was playing in was a female band. And so I always gravitated towards that. I always loved that. It's interesting. When, when you joined the band at Roxy, Sharon, Janet, uh, and you replaced Gina, right? So there was three fourths of the original band. That must have been pretty cool. What was oh. it like when you first met them and you're like, wow, these this is the, the three originals here, you know? Yeah, I was nervous. I was definitely like, I was, I was definitely just like, this is really cool. Like, you know, one of the pinch yourself moments. And, uh, and I was just trying to, I was just trying to be cool. Like stay cool. Like don't, you know, it is, it's just rock and roll at the end of the day. So just did, did you get do the what gig? you do, play your rock and roll. That's did, what we all do. Did you get the gig right away or did you have to like compete with other people for the gig? Was it an um, audition? I, I just went down and did a private audition. Um, and, uh, actually Janet wasn't there. Um, but, uh, we, we had her on video um and so we i played the songs with sharon roxy yeah. yeah and i know you played on the the live record live fire is that on vinyl on vinyl yeah yes yes it is oh, i gotta get oh, a copy so of that. initial printing was white vinyl and now it got repressed on red vinyl and that one's still available i love vinyl i have to get a copy of that did you listen to a lot of vinyl when you were young because you went through, you were growing up in a period where vinyl was on a down low you're right. But I, I was super into all things retro and still am. So, uh, yeah, I, I um, actually um, had a, a, a jukebox, a 1959 jukebox, and it was filled with all all old, really cool 45. So uh, I had a good nice. 45 collection, um, but some vinyl as well. <clears throat> regular vinyl. I, I have to tell you this now. I met I met the band, the whole band Vixen on a plane. It had to be like the late 80s. I actually talked to Roxy for a while. She was like really cool. I think she was impressed that I knew Madame X, but I have to show you this. I have a prop. After when I met them on the plane, they gave Love me an it. autograph picture. And, That's so cool. And, and this is great. This is what Roxy wrote on the photo. She wrote to Steve, remember drummers do it better on bare skins. Roxy. Oh and my God. That's so Roxy. <laughs> uh, we, we hit it off pretty good. We talked on the plane for a while because I recognized them right away. You know, not everyone recognizes the rock stars, but I was in the business at the time. So so that was pretty cool. And I, so I know that you were around some pretty cool people. You yeah, know, I know Roxy. People. And that's what I have to say. And what is most important to me about playing music these days um, after doing it for so many years is like the people that you play with, you want to love the people that you play with. It's important because you spend a lot of time with them. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, the time I spend on stage is, is very short compared to all the tra planes, trains and automobile rides that you all have together and that you have to be real in close quarters with. So um, and they're all great friends. And even though Sharon and Janet aren't in this lineup at the moment, um, they're, uh, you know, still close with them all and uh, really adore everyone. Yeah. Um, people out there listening, you'll have to watch the YouTube version to see the photo that I put. Up. <laughs> um, so uh, Lorraine Lewis, I remember yeah. her very well too. Femme Fatale was a really cool band. Um, when she came on board, what was that like? It was seamless. 
I have to say her energy is so bright and and open and welcoming. Uh, I just felt like I had known her my whole life. <laughs> you know, it was crazy. Um, and she is like the, uh, the female David Lee Ross. She runs around, commands that stage. I think she was the only person that crowd surfed in that huge festival in the Wacken Open Air Festival that we did this uh, summer in Germany. She's fearless and strong and uh, very commanding and uh, has a killer voice, of course. And um, so it was very easy. Yeah, it seems like the band is just refreshed, you know, because there was a period there where there were a couple of different vixens going on at the, you know, way before that, you know, different members were going out as vixen. But now it seems like you've got like everything's falling into place. And that's, I'm going to fast forward the single that you just put out, Red. Wow. I mean, it's really good. And you got to talk, talk a little bit about making that video. You're like, you're the star of the video when you come walking out into the car. It's <laughs> what, what was that like making that video? Well, we all had our different scenes and, you know, I love cars and, and stuff. So, um, so that was my scene, you know, getting the keys to the car and taking off in this Corvette. We actually had a lot of unused footage that I wish was in it. Uh, we had drone footage of me cruising down the streets of uh, Beverly Hills and stuff like that in this uh, souped up Corvette. It's actually a particular Corvette is, is illegal in L.A. Uh, because it's so souped up. Um, but nobody pulled nice. me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, that making was so fun. We shot downtown LA on that rooftop. It was funny when we were downtown on the rooftop, it started pouring right before we started shooting. And so you can't really see it, but it's raining. Um, it, it wasn't pouring at the actual time, but it was definitely drizzling and cold. And we were all like, oh, our hair and makeup is going to be a mess, but uh, it worked out. Uh, but that was, yeah, we shot all that I think we did all that in one day, no, or two days, two days. Yeah, we did the inside shoot, um, which was at a studio, I think also in downtown with the cool uh, LED ceilings and floor. That was fun. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I like doing videos because um, I don't know. And it was good practice for for live too. It's like you have to, you have to play it over and over and over for so many shoots that uh, <laughs> it's good practice. Yeah, you guys look great in the video. Did you? Uh, who was the director? Uh, Vicente, this guy named uh, Vicente. I'm drawing a blank on his last name at the moment. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Uh, he, did, he does all the winery dog videos. Um, he does oh, a lot nice. of rock band videos too. Yeah. So you have a manager now. I mean, you affiliate with a label as well? Um, currently we're independent. We have released stuff on labels in the past and, uh, we worked with the Rat Pack Records for our live album, Live Fire, but, um, we just did the single independently. You don't really need a label anymore. Yeah. And especially for a single, you know. Yeah. If you have a good manager, I mean, you should be able to get it all happening. I mean, yeah. because touring, you guys can go out and you guys have proved that you can go out. Um, the songwriting process for the, the, for Red, how did that go? Um, you know, good. Well, we had, you know, we were in a room together quite a few times doing a bunch of writing, but um, this particular song was uh, done with Fred Corey and um, so a, a drummer of Cinderella. And oh, yeah, yeah. So he was uh, one of the prime writers in that one. Um, and then he also produced it for us. So we worked with him in the studio a lot. So um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Did he come with a finished track or did you guys work on a song with him? Um, both. We all kind of tweaked it a little bit, but um, but this one in particular was pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, it's, it was a great choice for a single in the video and you guys look great. 
Um, I know you're going to Mexico City soon to play the Life After Death Horror Festival. Three days of massive metal. I was looking at the lineup. You guys are on a great day with uh, Lita. Dorio Pash. There's a real... Rock. I love her. We Lacuna love Lacuna Coil and a bunch of other bands. Um, you have to be excited about Mexico City crowds are insane too. They're the best, yeah. And I know we're on a day with a lot of strong females, uh, which I think is way cool. So I'm very excited. Yeah, the whole lineup for the all three days is like a who's who in metal. It is. I know. I know. Have you yeah. have you been to Mexico City before? I have actually. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first big shows I did with Alejandro. We did. Uh, Two nights down in Foro Sol, the big uh, soccer stadium down there. Uh, I love Mexico City. Um, yeah, I plan to go visit the pyramids. They have these cool pyramids not too far. Uh, and the food is amazing. I love the food down there. So, uh, yeah, very excited. I got to brush up on my Spanish again. It's been a while. Now, when you guys go to that uh, festival, you're going to stay for the whole festival? No, no. Uh, I wish we could, but 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 we're not. Um, yeah, I think we'll... I, we might catch... Saturday, but we definitely won't be there Sunday. Well, I know something that you do have to stay for the whole thing for the most monsters of rock cruise because you can't oh, jump yeah. off the boat. Yeah. And once again, you know, Ace really extreme. You must know the guys from Extreme. Yeah, they're awesome. And uh the darkness is on this one. That'll yeah, Glenn Satriani. I love Satriani. So it's a great lineup this year. I'm very excited. That's always a blast. Love that cruise. Yeah, and Glenn Hughes's name popped right off the page, you know. Oh yeah, yeah oh so. amazing. Um, how do, do you know Nuno at all? Because it seems like you guys would know each other. Yeah, guitar yes, gods. Such a nice guy. Like you'd think, you know, he's a guitar god. You think, you know, ego and stuff, but no, he's so cool and chill. Very sweet guy. Yeah, I've known Nuno for a while because he was on AM when I worked there, but it seems like he's getting better and better as the years go on. I mean, it, just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just, I mean, he practices a lot, I, I guess, because, yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> so, as far as your guitar style goes, I, I know you're influenced by Eddie Van Halen. Um, who who are some of the other guitar players that, that you listened to when you were young or have influenced you over the years? Zach Wilde was always one of my favorites. Zach. All of Ozzy's guitar players, of course, Randy and Jakey Lee and, you know, everybody. But uh, I was big into Zach. And when he came out with Black Label Society, I was super influenced by that. Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield, definitely. Um, I always loved Marty Friedman. Um, I was big into Megadeth, too, and and, and Dave Mustaine. And um, a big David Gilmore fan. Um, love just his soul. Uh, he, I was big into Pink Floyd growing up. Um you know, later I kind of got more into Jimi Hendrix and uh, Jimmy Page, uh, but initially I wasn't so into that style as much. But now, you know, I think Jimi Hendrix is is the best of the best, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh God, who else? I mean, there's so many great guitar players. Yeah, Nuno, of course. Um, uh, it seems like you might like Brian May. Oh, yeah, I love Brian May. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, gosh, why am I drawing a blank right now? Um, slash, uh, you know, um, a lot of the a lot of the main ones. But I, I do remember Zach was the first rock star I ever met. Um, really? I waited outside for like hours, you know, outside a line uh, signing that he was doing at um, I think it was at a Daddy's Junkie Music. 
And then funny, fast forward later on. Oh, and I just remember too, I had this big list of questions I wanted to ask him and I brought my guitar. I still have the, this purple sparkly Ibanez. That was my first guitar he signed and then Joe Satriani signed it. And um, uh, I got by to sign it. But um, but I just remember being so starstruck. I finally got up to say hi to him and I was going to ask a question and nothing came out at all. Out of my 30 questions I had, I, couldn't, I didn't say a damn thing to him. But um but uh it happens and, but then fast forward now i'm kind of you know working the rock and roll fantasy camp and we just did a camp with zach where everybody got to jam with him at the whiskey so uh and uh and i did speak to him this time uh so <laughs> life works in funny ways <laughs> i want to talk to you about that camp but first i have to say i'm happy that you're at, on the east coast with your family but i'm disappointed that you don't have the guitars behind you that i've seen in other interviews oh do shoot. You have, if, yeah if you, and, you know some... i do have a lot of guitars here too in the basement my parents are like if you don't play them why do we have to keep them here i'm <laughs> like well I don't have the space for them in LA. <laughs> I was like, you can't don't throw them out. You can't throw them so out. You, so if you assembled a lot of gear over the years, you keep are you like a guitar like junkie where you keep a million guitars? Kind of, but uh, but not not so bad. I know people that are worse. So I, no, I mean I I could have more for sure. Um, but I am sentimental, and if I played it a couple times here, or even though I don't play it now, I don't want to give it up. So. Um, but I do need to sell some gear. I, I did good selling a, a lot of the amps and stuff. So I don't have the, the big equipment taking up space. I have a lot of pedals I need to um, go through because I've, I've you know, I, I have, when I was touring with Alejandro, I had the big TC electronics G system, which is like a spaceship rocket launcher. It weighs like a hundred pounds. And like, I'm, I'm not using that at all anymore. I've downsized so much. All I have is uh, I have my tuner. I have a, a um, and then a wah and then a boost uh, delay in one, which 98 audio is a great, uh, pedal, uh, company out of Connecticut. Um, he makes custom pedals and he created me this awesome lightning boost delay, which, so it's all in one. So I really only have two pedals that I use. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've downsized there. So, um, so I got a lot I couldn't sell. <laughs> I don't know if you know this guy, but he grew up right near you in Framingham. He is older than you are. Dave Amato. He's the guitar player of REO. Yeah, yeah. he's a Awesome. And he plays the, the guitar that I love to play, which is the uh, Les Paul with the Floyd Rose. He has a whole like storage space. And there was a show on, I, I watched the video. It, he has a place in the Valley. You would not believe the amps and gear he has. It's incredible. It's like an addiction with him. It's yeah. Like, it's easy to have that. I, I can, I can relate. Yeah. If I had more space in a storage unit, I would be worse too. So um, I guess I'm glad I don't. <laughs> I saw Dave when REO played here. I went out to see them. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Cause Michael Sweet was there. Cause I used to work with Striper when I worked at Enigma. You guys went on tour with Striper. Was that, what was that like? Yeah, we did. We've done a lot of shows with Striper. They're awesome. I, I love those guys. Uh, they're super cool. I love Oz's playing too. He's a good friend of mine. And um, yeah, it's a blast. I actually went up on stage with them and jammed uh, to hell with the devil once. And Whoa. I brought my tiger stripe Jackson that I have a Bengal tiger stripe, uh, yellow and black flying V brought that up with me. Um, and so that was a lot of fun, but yeah, love those guys. Great people. When Great I song. saw Michael, I told him I still have my, they gave us all engraved Bibles. <laughs> 
Nice. I have a Bible, but mine's not engraved. <laughs> well, mine says to Steve Ricardo from Striper. It's like, you know, how can I get rid of that? I don't think I could throw a Bible yeah. away. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. You probably burn and help me that one. No. So be before you go, talk about Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, because you're really involved in that. And I was looking on your Instagram page and you were just hanging out with everybody. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awesome. You know, I started, um, I was a counselor at the camp in 2019. Basically are, it, there are these four day camps and, uh, they're, they're for all musicians of any playing ability. You can be beginner, you can be great and play in tribute bands, you know, whatever, or any kind of band. Um, but it's, it's, it's a great hang for four days. You join a band of new people that you never met before. Uh, you have band rehearsals you have jam rooms master classes q a's with artists um you know everybody eats together and it's like it's this fun it is like a camp vibe and uh you know you're just away from the real world everybody kind of puts their phones away and you're in music mode it's just music music we have long 12-hour days so you're very immersed and uh, each camp is themed uh, for a different, uh, you know, this this past one we did was a metal mania camp. So it was metal. So we had Marty Friedman, we had Zach Wilde, we had Mike Portnoy, who just rejoined Dream Theater, which is awesome. And, he did? Uh, mm -hmm. What happened to Mike Mangini? He just left? I don't, I didn't, I didn't actually read up on all the, all the, the, the fine print there, but I think they just were, had been talking about it and it was just time. And, uh, and I'm really happy for Mike though. I think that's, that's pretty cool. Is, is that public yet? Or did you just it's give public. me a good Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I was hoping it was a scoop so I could tell yeah, my dream sorry. friends. But yeah, but uh, yeah, they went back to the original lineup. So it's very cool. And so um, at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, what is your role basically? I'm the musical director. That's a great, that's I a busy role. I put the band together, but I also kind of help plan the camps and, uh, you know, do a lot of behind the scenes stuff too. And I, and I put all the bands together, come up with, you know, help to come up with ideas for new talent and new camps. And we've got one coming up in February in Los Angeles. Um, it's an ACDC themed camp. Uh, we've got Chris Slade from ACDC. We've got uh, Nancy Wilson from Heart. We got uh, Dean and Robert DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots, uh, who are also a big influence. Stone Temple Pilots is a huge influence. I forgot to mention them. But um, and and same, same with Nancy Wilson, of course. Yeah. Big heart fan, too. So it's been fun. It's been uh, really exciting. And we just did our first ever comedy fantasy camp with Adam Carolla and Jay Leno. And we're planning another one of those for early next year. And I started in, uh, the all women's uh, rock camps um, where it's just, yeah, just women um, out of my love for, for that. And it's just they're, they're some of the most amazing camps. Uh, their first one, Melissa Etheridge did it with uh, with Nancy and with um, Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's and Orianthe. Oh, I love her. And we had Winona Judd and Lizzie Hale and Vicki Peterson of Bangles do another one and uh, planning another one of those for uh, 2024 as well. So uh, all good stuff. It's, it's so much fun and um, it's really life-changing those camps. So that's the, that's the best part of it all. I could see you and Lizzie Hale hanging out. Definitely. Oh, I love her. I she's, think she's a sweetheart. She's a force to be reckoned with. She's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I know you're on vacation and I, I, I appreciate you talking to, to us and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. I know that Vixen's going to be out here soon. I'm hoping I can come to the show and check it yeah, out. Yeah, we've got Mohegan Sun Arena. We're doing yeah. that. 80s rock invasion show it's us Stephen piercy i think slaughter and is it great white or quite right i forget quite right yeah quite right yeah okay so that's gonna be a blast yes yes cool. well, to see you there all right thanks a lot Britt. appreciate thank you it. so much for having me great talking to you all right
Okay, I meant to say something about this earlier uh, before the before I played you the interview. I was I I was I said that I babysat Phil Mogg. It was just a figure of speech. Phil did not need a babysitter. He just needed someone to drive him around, to meet people, and to make sure he had beer. <laughs> and that was fun. And I want to thank Brian Slagle years later. I thank them then, I'm sure, for letting me be the one. All right. The song we played after the interview was You Ought to Know By Now, which is from the 2018 Live Fire album. I got to admit, I was a little nervous talking with Britt. It's not that she was intimidating or anything like that, but I've always had this thing for women and guitars, and the heavier they play, the more I admire them. Uh, thank you, Britt Lightning, for coming on the show, and most of all, thanks for keeping your rock and roll dream alive. You're definitely an inspiration to many, many people. Please consider supporting this podcast on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Twisted Rico. You can reach me at any time at twistedrico at gmail.com. You can send me music there, send me comments, thoughts, whatever. We have a Facebook page, threads, a YouTube page where you can actually watch the Zoom interview I did with Brit lightning also an instagram page and a tiktok page at twisted rico all right that's going to do it for us this time folks till the next time we say goodbye this is blowing smoke with twisted rico i'm your host steve ricardo keep the rock and roll alive